Welcome to the Wellness Tea. I'm your host, Miranda Atkinson. Today joining us is Kat Tannenberg, who is currently thriving in beautiful British Columbia as a wellness coach, business mentor, yoga teacher, and overall badass female entrepreneur. I met Kat in India at our yoga teacher training, and it has been quite a while since we caught up. So it was great to get her take, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what we chatted about. How's your day going? Pretty good. I just got back from a walk with Bella, and then I had a quick call with a client, and uh, now I'm here, and I'm so excited. Me too. I mean, okay, so I was trying to think about it. Has it been like three and a half years or something? Since we we met? Uh, No, it's nearly four years, four years in January. It's so funny because I feel like I talk about it all the time still. Like people are just always asking or, you know, because if they're like, oh, what do you do? Like any new job, they're like, what else do you do? And it's like, well, I teach yoga. (gasps) How? And then I have to like talk about India. So it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but yeah, I was just thinking about it the other day because someone asked me, oh, how long have you been teaching? And I was like, well, I was like, holy shit. Do you still feel kind of new? Because I, whenever I meet like a teacher that's like, you know, I've been teaching for 20 years, like they're yeah. so experienced. I'm like, wow, like, I feel comfortable now. Like I don't feel brand new, but I yeah. still feel so fresh and kind of, I just have so much to learn. So it's kind of a fun feeling. Yeah, totally. Like I, it's exactly how I feel. And especially like compared to the teachers who've been teaching for like 20 years or even 10 years. Like I just feel like, oh my God, I still have so much to learn. Right. So can you just tell me right now, what do you do? So can you just like describe your job and the health style emporium and the stuff that you're involved with? I want to just overview kind of of that. So I'm a holistic wellness coach for a program called the Health Style Emporium. It's a 16 week online holistic health program focusing mainly on women. And it's kind of just beautiful. We always like to say it as like an online health retreat because we have so many different aspects of health in there it's not just like movement it's not just nutrition but it's like we have sections on spirituality we have yoga we have meditations we have educational webinars so it's it's really this beautiful broad platform that is going to be such a different experience for all of our clients depending on what they're working on and our role as their wellness coach is to help them guide through their program so figuring out like what they need to work on whether that is like they want to lose weight or whether they want more energy whether they want to heal like their hormones whether they want to learn how to cook healthy like it's so broad but at the same time it's so unique to everyone's journey and then the other aspect of that is i also get to mentor other women in the business so I get to mentor other new coaches and teach them the ropes of starting with us as a holistic wellness coach which is really cool as well cool I was gonna ask somebody else actually asked it too but if they didn't I was already going to what is it like working with you work with all women correct uh, not clients but like as far as your colleagues and coworkers. yeah oh man I could talk about I love that that question came up by the way because um, I never used to be the kind of girl who would hang out with women. Like I always like, if I think back to like my relationships with my so-called best girlfriends back when I was like younger, I now think back to them and I'm like, Ooh, they were just competitive. Like they weren't healthy relationship. It was always like, who's better. Who's better at this. Who's better at that. Who's going to get that guy. Who's going to do this. There's a lot of meanness and like, it's it's, girls are tough. women are so mean, (laughs) like, especially girls. I feel like as women, we, we grow out of it a little bit, but some people never do. 
So I was definitely hesitant when it came to that because I was like, um, I actually prefer hanging out with guys. So I don't know how I feel about this. But I think there's just something so magical about, it's like, I really believe that your vibe attracts your tribe. So the women that I have attracted into my team and also the women in our broader team that I get to work with and who mentor me, there's no cattiness. Like there is no competition. It's actually very supportive. And I had never experienced that until I started this business. And now like I have so many girlfriends all around the world and it's the best feeling ever. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. I think it's really cool that it's so widespread and international because I'm sure that you probably, I don't want to say had the advantage, but right when COVID kind of hit, it's not like your day-to-day -day routine other than I'm sure like teaching in person and stuff was super changed and you have this support system and network that you're used to communicating with online. Like I'm sure you already knew how to use Zoom. Everyone's like, exactly. what's Zoom? And you're like, Psh, Zoom. I know. The rest of the world caught up with everything that I was, I'd been doing for the last three years because that's kind of how long I'd been in the business um, before this pandemic. And it's so crazy because I was just talking to this someone about this. When I first started this business, like I started it because I was overworked, I was underpaid, and I was actually lacking community. I didn't know that it was going to be like this beautiful online business that it was going to get me through this pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> no one ever anticipated it. And um, it's actually been really beautiful to witness because I know there's so many businesses around the world who struggle right now and um, you know businesses are closing down businesses are letting their people go and what we have seen actually over the last eight months with our like both our program and the business is um, that we have had more clients actually join and we have had record sales month after month after month and I think part of that reason is because people are realizing how important their health is and they're finally realizing okay I gotta do something about this like I gotta make sure I put myself first because like if we don't have our health we have nothing it really boils down to that and then we, we've also seen a record amount of team join because I think people are opening up their eyes to the fact that like our jobs are fragile like we think we have these secure jobs but then suddenly a pandemic hits and we have nothing there's nothing anyone can do about it either, right? Exactly. So it's like people are understanding that a plan B is, is a smart way to do. It. And like, I'm not saying that this is going to be for everyone. I don't, like, I don't believe that. But it's incredible how people are opening up their eyes to the fact that, okay, like what I thought was secure is not actually secure. I need to figure out some kind of a plan B. Right. I actually drew a tarot card before we started. And I have this like animal totem tarot and it was a hermit crab. Oh. I think it was the two of cups, but it was all about, you know, a hermit crab lives in its shell, right? Like your body is your home and it's the longest lasting relationship that you're ever going to have in your life. So I think I was just talking about this in the last episode with my mom. Like if there's any silver lining to the pandemic, I think they, people are forced to question what is secure and what's not. And you realize that you're kind of, I don't want to say all you have because that sounds so depressing, but you really should be putting yourself first because that is really all you can control at a base level. Exactly. I don't want to get too far off, but I just thought that was so perfect that you said that. I love that. That's 
how you pulled, by the way. That's uh, it is very fitting. <laughs> I know, right? I just always like to do it, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, and I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna have to think about this one, but it just worked out so perfectly. So I wanted to know, and this was another question that someone asked, what kind of got you started? I want to say on your path to wellness, because one of the things that I think makes you really good at your job is that you're super genuine. Like even when you've, yeah, like told me about some of the services you guys offer or even products, like you're never pushy and you just seem to genuinely, I mean, it's sort of like the position I'm in where I feel like I'm selling yoga, which I'm not, but right. Like I want people to come to my classes, but it's not because I want you to come yeah. for me. I want you to feel good. Like yeah. if you're feeling in pain and you need to come stretch like I want you to do it. and I feel like that's kind of the attitude that I really get from you is that you genuinely do want people to make changes that's going to make their life better so I wanted to ask this is something that I struggle with and that I think you're very good at but how do you feel about kind of self-promoting and like you have to be very confident and very consistent persistent sometimes right so how do you find that within yourself I guess I just asked two questions and then why did you initially want to take this path I love that I love the fact that you just came back to that question because when you were talking I was like I hope she's gonna ask me about selling I hope she will um so I I'll kind of dive into that first and then I'll take a step back and go back to where this journey started because um and I think it's like the topic of sales is such an important topic for entrepreneurs because we all sell something like we, we have to sell in order to survive. I think what a lot of people don't understand is it doesn't matter if you run your own business, if you work for someone else, you're, we're all selling something. Like if you work in a traditional kind of job and you go into a job interview, you're selling yourself to that job because you, you want them to choose you. Why do they need to choose you? So it's on social media, you're selling yourself to the masses kind of. Yeah. So it's exactly the same principle. So I feel like, you know, sales is this dirty word because straight away we think of this like sleazy car salesman or whatever. But I really feel like when you just become, and I, you kind of talked into that, it's like when you can be, become so certain about what it is that you offer and what your gift is, it doesn't feel pushy because you generally believe that I have a gift. I have the golden ticket and people need this. And then it becomes genuine because you believe in it. And I think that that is the most important thing in sales. Like you need to believe in what it is that you offer. And if you don't, you need to do the work around it. Like you need to build your belief, whether, you know, you, you are offering a product and you're still new to it. Like you need to build, build your belief and building your belief. Isn't always that you have to fully experience everything on your own, whether that be an entrepreneurship, a product, a program, it doesn't matter what, you can build your belief by educating yourself via videos, via other people's testimonials. You can build your belief in so many ways. And um, I also feel like it's not just building belief in what it is that you sell, if it's like a, a product or a program, but it is also just working on your personal belief. So getting rid of that inner mean girl, which is another one of the topics I really love to speak into, because often we don't start on journeys like this because we doubt ourselves. So I think like in order to become successful within like sales and we're all selling, we are like people need to realize that you need to a build a belief in what it is that you're offering and b build your belief in yourself. And once you do that, it will become second nature because you want to share it with the world and you realize that if you don't, people are going to lose out and you're not actually going to be doing a service to the world. So I think like once you get to that stage, it, it's really just doesn't feel 
sleazy or pushy anymore. It is that genuine. So, and that's why I said earlier as well, like what the path that I've chosen, it's not going to be for everyone. Not, and that's okay. And it's not up to me. And I think that's another thing with sales is like when you offer your opportunity to another person, it's not about what, if they're going to say yes or no, that's not up to you. It's not up to you whether they're at that time in their life to be ready to take that step, but it's just, about, and someone, um, like, especially I, I just did a really cool seven day course within the network marketing industry, which is what the industry that I have my virtual franchise in, but someone explained it um, really awesome. And I think that just kind of goes into any entrepreneurship. Imagine that your business, whatever it is, is a bus. And you're the bus driver. So you just, you, your only job is to drive the bus. You just continue driving, you know, and people see the bus, but it's not up to you to see who is going to actually step into the bus. You just pull up on the stop, wave at the person. They're either going to come in or they're not going to come in. It's not up to you, but you're going to continue riding your bus. And at the same time, the people that do step in and like, join on your bus ride. You don't know how long they're going to be on the bus for because maybe next time you pull up on the stop, they're going to leave again. And that's, again, it's not up to you. Your only job is to continue showing up. So I really love that example. And I think that's another thing that with sales is people just get so married to the outcome. It's not about like, you got to divorce the outcome. You got to marry the journey. Right. Or like, I'm sure you've probably learn this. And I, I remember like my first class that I taught where like only one person came and it was a yeah. six in the morning, right? It wasn't that weird. I'm like, Oh, I, this might hurt my feelings a tiny bit, but it's not about me. It's always about them. Like either they're not ready to, you know, to accept what you're offering or they don't think they want it, or maybe they just genuinely don't want it, but it's not, yeah. I'm sure you've gotten past being like, Oh, like it's my, yeah. my <laughs> exactly no and it, it's not about you it really isn't and I think like that's another just really important thing when it comes to sales so I'm hoping like people are following my train of thought here but yeah it's it's not about you it, you can't decide what people are going to say it's up to you to continue to show up and there's also the thing of like the longer you show up and the more consistently you show up that builds credibility so if people and I see this so often um, people start something new and you know they give it a month it doesn't work and then they're like okay i give up but like what's the message that you're sending to your audience like this like and if you continue doing that like over and over again with like different businesses like that's it just shows your audience that they can't rely on you whereas if you actually stick to someone and you ride through those waves because ultimately that is life like you have the ups you have the downs but the longer you continue to show up the more credibility you build for your audience and the more they know that you're in it for the long run so and i think that's maintaining confidence in what you're doing is like oh yeah. well, wow like she's still kicking like and she's still that excited about it like maybe i missed something the first time around Exactly. And I've seen this myself so many times. Like I've been doing this for three and a half years now. People do come around. <laughs> it's like they do. Right. It's pretty, pretty awesome to see. And um, yeah, it's, it's ultimately still, it's not up to me to see like whether what the, the timing is right or not. But uh, yeah, so I, I hope I covered that topic. <laughs> yes. Okay. So back to your personal journey. I feel like usually people when they pursue like a career in wellness or just like an enthusiasm toward it, I feel like it usually comes from a place of not feeling great. So I'm wondering where, what's your origin story? Yeah. And um, this is actually going to go 
yoga was like my gateway drug into into holistic health mm. but i was living in new zealand and and i was um traveling around new zealand with my now husband just in a van i'm originally from estonia so northeast europe and my husband's from the uk so we were living in austria before we moved to new zealand so we were always in europe we were always close to family it was like and then we moved to new zealand and of course it it was just it was just different and you know to everyone else it looked like I was living this picture perfect life traveling around New Zealand in a van with my husband doing amazing things just like yay this is incredible but deep inside I was experiencing the darkest period of my life like I was so deeply depressed I was constantly fighting with my husband because I didn't know what was going on and I didn't know that it was depression back then I, I had no idea about mental health I come from and this is like crazy that I've ended up doing what I'm doing because I come from a family where my parents say that um, like psychologists, they're con artists. You don't need them. You just go and talk to your girlfriend. She can give you the same advice. Like it's, and so mental health was never something that was taught to me or spoken about when I was younger. And I'm also, I'm from Estonia, which is basically like when I was growing up, it was still the Soviet Union in a way. It wasn't, but it felt like it. Right. So it was still like very like, yeah no one would talk about this kind of stuff so I didn't know what was going on like I remember I got into journaling and that would help me just like intuitively that kind of came up for me and I started to write my feelings out I started a blog back then and that kind of helped but then and you know how like magically people just get put onto our like path for a reason I was like on this beach and I had like my yoga mat outside the van it was actually just a workout mat and I was just about to get ready and go and do a workout outside and then this chick randomly pulls up on her bike and she's like oh I saw your yoga mat we're doing this like yoga class outside like in a couple of days do you want to come and join us and I was like yeah I do I've done like yoga maybe like a handful of times at that stage and I went and I fell in love with it it's just like it was different like Prior to that, I'd only practiced Ashtanga. So it was always the same sequence, but that was my first ever vinyasa class. And I was like, this was hard. And I really, at first, I loved the workout aspect of it. And it was just different and it was challenging. And then that studio had kind of like an intro offer. And it was like a whole month was like 50 bucks or something like that. So I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. And I went religiously, like once a day, pretty much. And as I continued to show up on my mat, I started to notice the heaviness of my depression lifting off and that was like such a wild feeling and I talked to the teacher about it and that's kind of when I started to realize what was actually going on with me that it could be like depression and mental health issues he's like oh my god are you like okay <laughs> yeah exactly it was like it just like mind-blowing and when I realized that what was happening that I was able to kind of lift my mental health pro uh, problems through this practice by simply showing up on my mat and breathing I was like, I got to teach this to the world. <laughs> so I was one of these crazy yoga teachers that signed up to a teacher training well, after practicing regularly for half a year. <laughs> it was like, I love that because it's not, I thought that at my own teacher training, it was interesting to see because I felt like I had been one of those people that on and off practiced for a really long time. Not a really long time, but right, I was yeah, 19. Yeah. So like since I was 17 or something, so I guess not long at all. But I was like, oh, okay, I feel comfortable. But I feel like every new yogi is obsessed, right? Like, I want to go every single yeah. day. Like, your motivation is so high. You feel like you just found, like, 
this drug or something. So it makes sense that you wanted to share it, but I think that's so cool and like brave to just dive in. Yeah. What did you do? Did you do your first teacher training at San Borna? Yeah, that was my first teacher training. And I, I like, I just <laughs> fully immersed myself. So I spent, like stayed behind and that's how we actually met. I stayed behind my teacher training to help and do the karma yoga. So with the next course, just to get some experience straight away. And I just like throw myself at it full force straight away. But then I think kind of like how I stumbled upon what I'm doing now was I moved to Canada, which is where I live now and which is like home. I'm a permanent resident and I don't plan to ever leave. <laughs> but um, I moved to Canada and I became a yoga teacher. And I think that was kind of when it really hit me that um, just teaching classes, you don't make money. Like, Unless you're like stressing yourself out. And if you, yeah. I admire the people that teach four different studios, you know, like they teach at least yeah. two classes a day, plus private clients, plus whatever. When I was living in California and my audience was like the country club crowd. So everybody yeah. wanted privates at their house and it was just easier. And now it's like, yeah, yeah. I maybe make like $30 a week teaching. I don't know. <laughs> I hate to talk about like numbers, but I just think it's yeah. important to remind everyone that it's I mean, what do you think? Because I think teaching yoga specifically, like you've opened up a lot of other avenues for yourself, but it's very much a passion job. And I don't say that in a bad way, but I always thought that the only way that you could really make it into a big career would be to either publish a book or something like that, make like a your own training or to own your own studio. But I've actually talked to a couple of studio owners and they're like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do this without... Yeah. Without whatever, whatever. Like it just seems really hard. Do you think that you'll always teach on the side? Yeah, I do. And I think it comes back to exactly what you said. It is a passion of mine and I love teaching and I teach four classes a week right now, which is awesome. I wouldn't want to really teach anymore, maybe five maximum, but that's kind of it. And sometimes in the winter, I also teach stretch classes at some of the like heli ski lodges here, but not this winter because you know, the sea bomb has hit us and the heli ski industry has gotten it like pretty bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, it's not feasible un unless you start teaching workshops, you start like creating your own courses and you do all of that. And like, it's, it's just not. And I also, I, like, I did when I first get start, got started, I taught like eight classes a week and I was helping manage the studio and I was close to a burnout. Right. And that's kind of how I stumbled upon this is like, I was like, teaching eight yoga classes a week, helping to manage the studio about like 10 to 15 hours a week. And then I was working 30 hours a week at a restaurant serving people. And I was like riding the bus full force into just collapsing. Like it was just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I realized that it was, it, it just wasn't feasible. Like I was underpaid because all of these jobs didn't really pay much like I was I was not actually wait like serving in a restaurant I was more like a cafe so even the tips were really small and then managing the studio I was paying getting paid peanuts and same for the yoga classes so I was like finding myself in this situation where I had no money I had no time because I was doing all these free jobs and the, the community that I kind of found myself in was people who didn't care about their health, people who just went to party, people who were just very like toxic and unhealthy. So I was just feeling in such a rut. And that's when my friend um, Alba, you know her as well. Like I saw her post about this and 
I was like, at first just interested in being a customer because I was going through my own health stuff still. But then she introduced the business to me and, and I was just like, you know what, like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'll just give it a go, see what happens. Probably not going to work anyway, but whatever. And three and a half years later, like, this is what I do pretty much full time now. Yes, I still teach yoga. I get to work from home. I like, I get to do this around my schedule. If I want to take a morning off and go and like have a brunch with my girlfriends, I do that. If I want to take a, like lunch off to go and do something else, I do that. Like I create my own schedule. I get like paid very like fairly, if not even like pretty ridiculously good. <laughs> and depends kind of what you look at. And I'm like surrounded by this supportive community. So it's just crazy to see how sometimes we have to hit those lows to realize what our ups can be. Yeah. Well, I think too, on making your own schedule and like being able to have the freedom to go enjoy like a beautiful day. Like you're in such a gorgeous area. I'm sure you want to hike every chance you get or yeah. go to brunch with your friends. Like, I think that that's probably crucial to your success. Cause I noticed when I was doing, when I first started teaching like that first winter, I was taking classes in person in Anchorage. So I was like, brand new and really trying to make money. So I was covering a lot of classes. So I was getting up really early a lot and teaching multiple times a day and it was hot vinyasa. So I was, it was really like, you're sweating so much. I feel like I was so dehydrated from doing that twice a day for a little bit. And it really hurt my relationship with yoga. Like it made me not like, why would I want to get on my mat right now? Like I've been teaching all week. Like I was exhausted. And then you not that I associate yoga with like my busy stress, but it was, yeah, it was just kind of taxing and I didn't have time to really have my own practice. And speaking of that, I thought that it was really amazing at training that they gave us kind of a little crash course and they were really supportive of everybody creating a social media for themselves. Like yeah. utilize that tool. Cause I think it is really important. Yeah. But when I was trying to figure out how to do that, I got really obsessed with I need to be posting really advanced yoga poses. Like I need to flex up, get really flexible. I need to buy some cute yoga clothes and like brands will over post me. So I'm wondering how you have, how your relationship with social media has maybe changed over the past couple of years now that you've been doing it for a while, or if you ever feel, I kind of want to talk about the stereotypical like yoga yeah. influencer or if you feel yeah. the need to like adhere to that or so I maybe post a yoga photo like every four or five posts and normally they're not even like very advanced postures because um I like there's enough people like that on social media <laughs> that people can follow so I don't want to be that and I love that you kind of like already said that earlier it's like for me it's all about authenticity and just being real but um I definitely know where you're, where you're coming from because I was definitely feeling the same way when I first got involved with social media and like suddenly I needed to post all these like fancy clothes and like yeah it just we've definitely all been there but I think once I started my business and because it's in social media I started to get training in it which is like part of what we teach our new girls and I quickly realized that um, I don't want to be miss perfect like that's not who i want to represent because if i think to the people that i like to follow they're not perfect they show all parts of themselves so that's kind of what i do with my social media and it took me a while to get there it didn't happen straight away but um yeah i definitely now take the approach of like if i go to social media what do i want to see 
like if I am my consumer for lack of better like if I'm my follower what do I want to see from my account like what's the feeling that I want to embody so and that's just it's real life it's like the good the bad like I actually just did a story earlier where I said that I felt like crap yesterday and that I even like had an edible which I normally don't never do because I was just like just let me be a blob for the evening so I share about that as well which is not maybe necessarily like the perfect health coach but I'm not perfect I'm human and that's That's the whole point of this podcast too I don't really I don't think that it's relatable to act like you're perfect which I feel like of course, we know that social media is inherently going to be like a highlight reel, right? You want yeah. to present your best self and you have yeah. the control to do so. So of course, but I think that if you're, if so much editing or if you can, if you're looking at some of the accounts, like the, the content is very high level, it's perfect. Yeah. Like, so if you're comparing yourself to that, it definitely feels, makes you feel bad. And I think that it makes other people, like I know me and my friends are always like, okay, you should unfollow all the models on your feed just in case you forgot because it's going to make you feel shitty about yourself. Like we know that. And that's like another thing of social media. So, you know, when that social dilemma hit and people were like outraged about it, it was a great documentary. I recommend everyone to watch it. But ultimately you got to remember like it's, and I actually wrote a post about it. It was like, you like right now, if you're just consuming social media, like in a way, and you follow those people that are making you feel like crap and like you're being played, like you are kind of the game and social media is the player and it's playing you, but you want to work on turning that around and you want to become the player and the social media becomes the game because ultimately you have the power to choose who you follow and the more that you go and onto these kind of accounts that actually inspire you, the more they will become on your suggested feed because that's how the algorithm works. So if you are feeling crap, if you go on your social media, it's up to you to change that. And I think that's like one of the main things that like people are just like, oh, social media is so bad. Like you choose what you consume. If you consume those accounts that make you feel crap, then that's up to you. And there's been such a shift, I think, I've noticed in the past year or two, I guess, specifically. And I think it's in part because I actively chose to, like, unfollow and, you know, interact more with accounts, which is a good side note. I think if you do follow an account that inspires you and you like it and you want to see more of that content, engage with it. Like, follow it, comment, reply. Saving is really good for posts. Like, if you see a post that you really resonate with, save it, even if you're not going to go look at it later. Um... But I've noticed that there's just been this big shift in I'm seeing so many more accounts that are accounts and companies because I know everyone's pretty pissed that Instagram is pushing sales so heavily now they have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But there are cool, you know, there's more black owned companies, more women owned yeah. that are showing up, more models that have stretch marks and look like real people that are still drop dead gorgeous, but right, just more representative on a wider level. So I think that the pool for it's getting wider and now people are actually understanding how the algorithm works before I feel like it was just this mystery. And now it's yeah. like you have the power to choose. Exactly. And yeah, I love it that, you know, you're, you're noticing more of these accounts and I think like the more those kind of people show up, the more it opens up the door for more people to show up that way because you've kind of paved the way because it can be scary to be the first person to do it. But if there's other people who are doing it similarly, you get inspired to do it as well. Cause suddenly it's not just you, it becomes this movement and you're part of the movement and it's easier to do things in a group and in a community 
then on your own like it's hard to be the first person who starts it but once the ripple effect goes on and um yeah like social media is such a powerful tool like it's like you you choose how to use it like it it's like I've made some of my best friends through social media. I know, and and it's such a cool way to connect, especially right now. Build a little void for me. Like I've been so much more active on my yoga account, but it's like, that's why I made a separate account. That's why I did all of this because I was trying to attract people that were going to benefit from it and like it. And I've had a lot of old friends that I haven't talked to in a really long time, like reach out and just say like, wow, like this is all the stuff that I'm into right now. It's so great to see this. And you do the same thing, right? Like you're motivating and you kind of just exude your own light yeah. when people follow and they yeah. soak it up and they kind of pick up on that. I was going to ask, just, I feel like it's not the best transition, but it's <laughs> wellness coaching goes, do you kind of have like, I feel like usually people have like a pronged approach and I know, especially with holistic stuff, do you have like, I know you said that there was like nutrition, movement, spiritual so like when you have a new client, how do you make a plan for them? How do you break that down? I I do something that's called a discovery call. And I just have um, like a format of a call kind of laid out. And it's mainly like I'm not doing the talking. I'm asking the questions. And um, I'm a firm believer. And that's the same in like, how I teach my yoga classes is that we all know the answers inside of us. We just need someone to facilitate the right questions and hold the space for us to open up and get the answers. So during the discovery calls, I kind of ask a lot of questions. I ask about their goals. I ask how that make, would make them feel. And when we kind of work in that sense and that level together, I understand what they want to achieve. And once I hold that, held that call, I can then, okay, for the four, next four months, this is what we will focus on. And I then know what resources to put in front of them. So it's all about that initial call and figuring out like, okay, what do you want to work on? What do you think is like, what would you say are like the most common, like I would off the top of my head, I would assume like nutrition or weight loss or like maybe trying to feel more spiritual or what are people? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because um, I'm sure. And I think this is, again, it goes down to the thing like your vibe attracts your tribe. Most of my clients, it's actually self-love and self-worth and self-acceptance. Yeah. I love it. And that's kind of what I've struggled with. So I feel like that's kind of where because I was, that was what I was struggling with back then. I can help people the best because I can kind of guide them through what I've done and not like a part of the program because like that's kind of what started my healing journey and my own self-worth and my self-love using the program for myself. So that's kind of what I seem to attract with the most. And then of course I have the clients that just want to work on their nutrition and improve their like nutritional intake and we have some really awesome partner products that we use for that. So I have clients who just care about that, but um, definitely what I've noticed the most is people who just want to work on themselves and that personal development, self-love, self-worth. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a really good kind of base to start out. Even if you do want to work on your nutrition, workout, whatever, I feel like yeah. one big shift that I've had since I've started, cause I've struggled a lot too with not loving myself like it seems like the easiest thing but it's really hard to just accept and it's so hard be understanding with yourself and one of the things and this is like food related just everything related is you have to want to nourish and take care of yourself instead of wanting to fix yourself that was kind of a bad term I feel like yeah. you want to be like healing yourself you're not trying to just like call yourself broken act like you're messed up so I feel like 
yeah, that's changed my outlook on a lot of things, looking at it, like you're nourishing yourself and you're taking care of yourself. It's, I believe that everyone is different. I believe that there's no like one size fits all, like veganism, vegetarianism, I don't know, keto. I don't think that there's a one size fits all. I believe that it's very unique to every person. So that's kind of what I really like to work with is like becoming intuitive about what it is that your body needs because it is different for all of us some of us thrive on being vegan others thrive on carnivore it's like so hard to say and there's no place for us to really enforce our belief systems onto someone else we can just show up and share from that point but um so yeah intuitive like in in all areas of life but then treating your body as the temple that it is like moving because you want to move finding a way of movement that feels good to you that like really feeds your soul like if you hate running don't go running like that's like i hate running i never run because of that reason but i've recently started to enjoy the gym and on top of yoga and i do it because it makes me feel good like even if i go to the gym and i hate it at first when i leave i feel amazing so really coming from that place of like wanting to do things because it makes you feel good. And the same with the food. Like I believe in that 80, 20 rule that, you know, 80% of the time you want to feed your body, like really healthy, like plants, veggies, like mainly plant-based. Maybe you add some like healthy protein if that's what like floats your boat. But 20% of the time, eat that pizza, eat that donut. Right. Treat yourself. I really do not restrict. So sometimes I'm always like, okay, I don't need a cookie every single day. But if that's your thing and you want to have one cookie every day or like one glass of wine, I really think that it creates an unhealthier relationship to like withhold. And then like, then like, okay, I just, it's okay if I have a glass of wine every night, that's my thing. Or I try to like one thing, like, okay, am I going to have a dessert? Not because of weight or anything, just like, I'm going to be inflamed and feel kind of gross. And we all know exactly. the best thing. I could really care less about, you know, we all know that you're not going to gain weight from like one indiscretion with food. But I think exactly. 80-20 rule, if you're ever wondering how you can find a more balanced approach, I think you should always say yes to the good stuff, but also think about the nutritional value. <laughs> Exactly. And like that, that's really what I believe in. And I also believe that we put in like, I'm a massive believer in energy in all areas of life. Like I feel, I feel like everything we come in contact with has energy, everything vibrates at a certain level. So if we eat a meal and because we have that restrictive mindset, like let's say it's a, it's a piece of cake. If you look at that piece of cake and you like take a bite then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to work out so much tomorrow. Oh, I shouldn't be doing, this is so bad for me. I'm going to get fat. If that's the energy that you put into that piece of cake, that's what it's going to like bring out in your life. Whereas if you eat that same piece of cake and you're like, mm, I'm treating myself because I deserve it. This is awesome. Like, oh, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I really believe in that as well. And I've seen that with like clients and just friends. If I tell them about it, like it just changes everything. Like the intention that you put into something when you do it is is huge. I wanted to ask, you mentioned earlier your inner mean girl was something that you liked to talk about. What I think everybody has one of those. And I think she's made up of your personal, like internal narrative, and then also a collective of any crappy things someone's ever said to you, or you know, those bad interactions kind of stick with you in ways. So yeah. tell me about her. Oh, she she's a real bitch. Um, she hasn't really come out much lately because I've been really working 
I've actually hired a mindset coach a couple months ago that has been helping me move through some of my personal mindset limitations and break through my glass ceiling. And so like, I've been working on my inner mingo for years now and I've come a long way, but um, something that I really learned from her that kind of just helped me take it to another level. And I'd heard it before in like other ways as in like, give her a name or like, but she was like, just really visualize her, like, create a character for her and then every time you hear her speak because you've created that character and name for her it's outside of your body it's kind of detached from you so it's easier for you to just be like okay i get it like i get that that's your opinion you can totally have that opinion but i choose not to listen to you like i feel like that's kind of a really powerful approach that i've really taken and then again just um doing more of the things that you love taking care of yourself um building your self-worth, listening to things that make you feel good, doing more of what you love and less of what you don't love really helps me also quieten her down. And um, it again goes down all the way to like, yeah, treating your body like it is a temple, like feeding it good, like the people that you surround yourself with. Like if you look at your friends, like the five people you spend most of your time with, and if they're like negative Nancy's, like they don't support you, they just like to be unhealthy, like that's gonna like affect your inner mean girl as well. She's gonna be more loud. Whereas if you surround yourself with people who light you up, who want the best for you, who help and support you, then you're gonna attract more of that. So there's just so many levels of like how to deal with with your inner mean girl. But I feel like the main ones is definitely creating almost like a character for her, and then just putting that outside of you, acknowledging her when she puts her input, but saying like I choose not to listen. And then like surrounding yourself with a community that you love. And if like you can't change your friends right now, like that's how you can turn to social media and actually connect with the people that light you the F up. And then the other thing is like treating your body as the temple that it is. Yeah. It is really crazy how powerful social media is because I've met some really, really amazing people and had really awesome connections. And it, but it feels like skeptical almost. And I think people probably feel this way. Probably not at this point. It's probably just me because I haven't used it that much. But with online dating, even yeah, 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 really have a connection with someone online. I'm just saying that for any any singles out there that want to be chatting people. <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> this is not sponsored by Hinge or anything. But, like, <laughs> I really think that if you're if you're skeptical to kind of join into a conversation, right? Like if someone asks an open-ended question on their post and you want to be involved, like put your two cents in, reply to someone's story. Like I feel like from our end as like a content creator, it can sometimes feel like you're kind of putting it into the void. It, it validates both us and you to reply and engage. And I feel like it's just a mutual, if anyone ever plays the Sims computer game when two people are talking and they have the little like, happy green plus over their head that's literally how it feels and I feel like especially right now because we're so starved socially it's like don't hesitate to reach out and I feel like I've been way more apt to reply to people's things because I'm all bored and lonely (laughs) I'm like you look amazing love you I just want to and spreading that positivity because we have enough of that negativity right now anyway did you notice speaking of like if you can't change your friends right now I think it's really interesting because I'm assuming that your teacher training was right for mine and then you stayed on. And so that's how we met. So our journeys kind of started at pretty similar times. How old were you? So I was 26. Okay. So still like really young. So I feel like in your twenties, you go through a lot of changes and kind of the people around you. And I've been noticing I was like 19, right? So I was still kind of shedding my old 
high school friends and meeting all these new people. Have you lost friends? Do you feel like your social circle has changed because you've kind of taken this path and became firmer in your beliefs? Yeah. And, um, I, it's of course you've gained like, them. Totally. And, um, I am not in touch with pretty much any of my high school friends. None of them. It's pretty crazy. And I haven't been hacked back home to Estonia. And one of the main reasons is because I just feel like, like besides my family, there's nothing to go back there for. Like, I just don't have that connection with people anymore because we grew apart. And yes, it's painful, but that's just, it happens. And I do believe that we all go through this big shift in our 20s, like especially like the late 20s. It's like such a like an existential crisis. We're like, what am I doing? It, like, I just know so many people who've gone through it. And yeah, like if I look at my, some of my friends now, like 20 year old cat would have never been friends with them because they're like, maybe not cool enough. Like when I was young, it was all about like, who's the coolest, who's badass, who's doing this, who's doing that. Whereas now I couldn't care any less of any of that. <laughs> right. Genuinely. Like, that's funny that you mentioned that. I actually, when I moved out of the house when I was 18, I made really good friends with a bunch of women that I worked with that were like 10 years older than me. And everyone was like, that's weird. And I was like, that's not weird. They're really cool. And they're not judgmental. And they have a lot of good advice. Better than you, idiots. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right? So I think, and I do find, I've, you know, grown apart from friends, especially I think here in America, like the election and all of this going yeah. on, there's been a really divisive feeling. And you kind of realize like, oh, some of my friends really don't think what I think. And it's, uh-huh. it feels personal and it's not, but it's, I think that when you experience that, you just feel even more validated in the friendships that you remain and you know that the ones that stuck around are really true friendships that are worth giving your energy to, right? Because it is an energetic exchange. Exactly. And I have like so many friends who, who I did meet somewhere along the way and I'm still in touch. Like one of, one of my best friends, she actually lives in the US and I met her in New Zealand. We were working together and like she comes and visits us normally in Canada every year. It's like her yearly vacation, her yoga and snowboarding vacation, which she can't do this year. But again, it's like you choose who you stay in touch with. And that's another way that you can use social media. You even kept in touch, right? Like I feel like we talk at least a couple times a year and it's just so great because I feel part of traveling, you almost kind of collect people. Like you have these amazing interactions and you're kind of like, I might never see you again, but you still, that's why I think social media is so special because you are able to kind of keep up with them and reach out. And it's like, if I was ever in the area, I would love to see you, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Connections don't expire. Like when you meet people that you resonate with, I feel like you, they stay in your mind and in your heart. I have one more question and I think we'll wrap it up. Do you have any advice to any especially young women, but you know, any male listeners as well that are kind of wanting to get into an independent field like yours that is about like wellness, lifting people up, personal interaction. What would you say to anyone starting that career? I would say start looking at other people who may be doing what you'd like to be doing follow them on social media, just see what they're up to, just send them a message, ask them questions, like how did they get started? What, what, that, what was that process like for them? Because what I found, especially like being an entrepreneur and like working for yourself, people who are in business for themselves, because it's so hard, they're like 
so open to sharing their success stories and what they've done with others because they want others to succeed. So I think like just asking questions to those people that maybe have gone before you, have done what you'd like to do, ask them like the good and the bad and kind of just go from there and just take the leap. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah, they don't say anything, right? People are surprisingly especially successful people. I mean, obviously they're busy, but I've even, I have a couple accounts that I follow that are, you know, wellness yoga that mm-hmm. have a hundred thousand followers and they'll reply to your message. Yeah. Not all the time, but it's definitely worth a shot. That's a very good idea. I think finding people that are kind of mirroring what you want to do just to have a vision. Cause right. Even if you're going to like sit and manifest it, you need to know what you're after and like what you're trying to attract. Exactly. And like, it's going to be different for all of us. So just connecting to the people that vibe at your level and um, finding something that really aligns with you and then just taking the leap eventually, like after you've done a little bit of your research and what it looks like, like just take the leap. Yeah. Just do it. Explore, I think, cause there's so many, I'm sure you 20 year old cat wouldn't have known that this was no. an option for you, right? Like, what do you want to be oh. when you grow up? You're like, Oh, I want to be an online wellness coach. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and ultimately, even if you try something and you then figure out that it's not for you, then at least you know, like it, you figured out that it's not for you. But at least I feel like it's way worse if you never give something a chance, you never try. And then you have that regret of like, what if? Like, what if this could have been something for me? What if I would have started that? What if I've done that? And you never know what, what if like... Could, but it, once you do take the step, and even if after a year or so you realize, ah, oh, this is not for me, at least you know, and you'll, you won't have that regret. So just do it. I think that that is great advice. Probably easier said than done, but definitely yeah. like you can never start if you never start. <laughs> like that's yeah. the dumbest. I don't even know if that's a real saying, but right. You have to just begin. Just do you, (laughs) like be you, be the messy real you, especially when you start on a journey like this. Don't be afraid to fail, like failure is going to be part of success, it's part of your journey. So just be you and show all sides of you, just show people that you're real and you're human and allow them to be part of the journey with you. Thank you, that's great. Oh, well it was so fun to see your face, I'm so happy that we got to Zoom and do this. Yeah, me too. This was so great. This is going to be such a long episode. I want to thank Kat again for coming on and sharing her time and her insights. I had such a blast. Our next guest is going to be Matt Maniello, who is also a wellness coach, but with an emphasis on tarot, astrology, and how it kind of ties into your yoga practice and spiritual healing journey. So Matt is incredibly knowledgeable and also my cousin. So we go way back and I really cannot wait to have him on. I think you guys will really love what he has to say. Thank you for tuning in and getting your weekly dose of wellness tea. Don't forget to come back on Monday for some more.